Whitney and Adam chose this morning uh, for the dedication of Whitney as uh, we're going to be talking about our homes. And um, so as we go through this, I want to read a couple of verses, Proverbs 24, verse 3 through 4. We're going to pray and then talk a little bit about the most significant place on earth. The author of Proverbs writes, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Let's pray. Lord, I know just saying the word home can really conjure up a lot of different emotion. For some, there's, there's just a sense of great joy. Others, maybe some hurt and pain. Maybe there's been loss. Others, uh, turmoil sometimes under the surface. The tensions that right now mark their home are not pleasant thoughts. Maybe there's shame and guilt of poor decisions we've made in the past. And, but Lord, no matter where we're at, You have something for us this morning. And we really, really want to hear it. Because we need to. We thank You for placing us in this wonderful dynamic called a home, called a family. Just pray this morning a result of our time around Your Word would be a strengthening of each home represented here. And we'll give You the praise for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. This message, first of all, is for all homes. A traditional, single parent, blended, empty nesters, grandparents, you're going to find application galore. And so no matter what dynamic you find yourself, this is for you. And I'm convinced God's chosen instrument to reach the world is the church. And if you break that down even more, we could call them house churches or homes. Your home and my home. The place you live. And I'm convinced every home has a sign above it. The question is, what does your sign say? Hopefully it says Christian home. And by Christian home, a place where Christ is actively present, actively in charge. And when that's the case, it becomes the most significant place on earth. Ravi Zacharias, in his book, I, Isaac, Take Thee, Rebecca, underscores this fact when he writes, The home was instituted before the church was brought into being. God intended the home to be the seed from which the culture flowers and history unfolds. He was emphasizing the significance of the home. A Christian home is a kingdom outpost inside your neighborhood. The home, it's a place where everyone truly enjoys each other. That's what's unique. The unique dynamic of our home is that it's a place where we need to know how and to worship God with great reverence. It's also a place where there's plenty of goofing around. It's quite a unique place, this place called home. So let's talk about this significant place. What kind of place should our homes be? And the reason this is significant is 25 years ago, our home wasn't in such chaos as it is now. The attack of the culture 
on the family is unprecedented. And so significant, we stop and think through what kind of place should our home be, should a Christian home be. The first thing I'm convinced it should be is a different place. Down in Orlando, Florida, is a place that calls itself the happiest place on earth. Disney World. You might not know it was founded by a man who grew up in a home that was known in its neighborhood for its distinction. You see, the Disney home was a different home. It was forged from a conviction that a home should be different. It should be a fun place. It should be a place of excitement, expectancy. And it was this conviction that became a prerequisite for Disney World. Because Disney World was to be different. Which is precisely why 43 million visited each year. Because it's different. I wonder, why can't our homes be different in this wonderful way? Why can't our homes be a place where everyone knows they're in a place that can be celebrated and their dreams can be celebrated? You see, this kind of different is good. Anyone can be normal. But the normal today certainly isn't worth emulating. Can our homes be places filled with all precious and pleasant riches? Proverbs 24 shouts, yes. Yes, it can. I, uh, I don't know if you've ever gone to one of them rental places where you rent like jackhammers or paint sprayers and, and, uh, and you're paying by the hour. And What's unique is once you get it in your truck, there's a nagging sense that you're on the clock. And that you're making a beeline to get done that job which you have lined up. Matter of fact, you're probably speeding home. You'll risk it because you're on the clock. you got to get this job done. And so there's that nagging sense that i got to get this done. If not, I'm going to pay extra. I wonder sometimes if we forget that the moment you said I do, the moment maybe you unwrapped the blanket around your baby after birth, did you get a nagging sense in the pit of your stomach that the hourglass has been upended? That you're on the clock? That you only got one shot at this thing called family? Isn't there that sense? And they grow, and everyone tells you, right, when you have a baby, oh, wait, they're just going to grow up so fast. Because experience has said they grow up fast. <laughs> the, the, the time starts, the sand starts to run, and it seems to go very fast. And there should be deep within us this nagging sense I better make the most of the time I have to invest this precious gift. Our children, our spouses, our families. Now, the message is coming up. I really want to make sure you understand these aren't meant to shame, blame, to guilt. We can't change yesterday, but what we can do today is to start to fix some of the maybe the problems we have. And so this is more, hopefully, more of a motivation, more of a, a call to refocus call to maybe become more intentional. A call to have more of a purposefulness in our homes. 
I was born in Illinois, grew up on a little house on the prairie. Series by Michael Landon. It was based loosely, as you know, by classic books by Laura Ingalls Wilder. And the series was created with an unapologetic Christian worldview, front and center. You never saw the TV show apologize for it. Matter of fact, you never saw the media even attack it. It was like, okay, this is cool, this is good. This is what our culture needs. You saw the family pray, read the Bible. You saw church being a priority. You see God involved in a chapter of everyday life. It was completely normal. There's a mutual respect between Charles and Caroline. Now, Mr. and Mrs. Olson, that was a different discussion, but... As far as Charles and Caroline, they were worth emulating, for sure. There was tender, there was open affection displayed. It was amazingly we had a chance to get a glimpse of a Christian home. But don't turn on the TV today. You're not going to find it. There are no glimpses of Christian homes. Because our little house is no longer on the prairie, but on a runway. It's a whole different world. Gentleness. Bedtime prayers, long walks to school have been replaced with going, busing, Twitter, and Snapchat. We live in a different world. But our homes are called to be different homes. For millions of American homes, there is no model of a Christian home. It's not just that their homes are in disarray, but they look on TV, they look at the media, they're having a hard time finding a stable home to emulate. Matthew seven twenty four through 27 says this. Jesus writes, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and burst against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Notice in both cases, both homes were hit with the same storms, with the same intensity, but one was built on a solid foundation, the other one on a faulting foundation, and one fell and the other one was stood. Difference was what they were built on. Homes that make it are built on a solid foundation, Jesus Christ and His Word. But make no mistake, both homes will be hit with storms. Both homes will be hit with hardships. So what's your home built on? And how have you handled the hardships? And if you and I are built on the rock, ours will be a different place. You need to know that. Your house and my house needs to be a different place from the majority if we're to impact for God. Our family is to be built on the authority of Jesus Christ. And when it is, it will be different. And this is a good different You see, culture-friendly should not be on our priority list. Different should be. One of my Old Testament characters I wish the Bible would have given us a little more input on is Brother Noah. What a time he he existed in history. And Genesis 6-9, pre-flood, tells us a little bit about this guy. In the context of the corruption of mankind... 
We read, these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Wouldn't that be great? Someone say that at your funeral. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, enter the ark, you and your household, get alone of this, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. I take that and I remind myself, Noah was different than those in his times. You want to talk about a small minority, that would be Noah and his family. Noah was not affected by what was going on around him. And I'm sure kids down the road from Noah's family knew things were different. And Noah's faithfulness and his willingness to be marked as different in his community saved their lives, literally, his entire family. Parents, we are to have the most profound influence on our children. We are to walk like Noah, righteous, seeking to be blameless, intentionality and the willingness to claim unpopular territory, even if it means focused resistance on our part, can create a home that stands out beautifully in our culture and our neighborhoods. And mark this, neutrality equals failure when it comes to the home. You and I are to be very intentional. Our homes, they must be different. A different place. It also needs to be a God place. A God place. You say, what, what, what's all that about? Let me explain. I, I had an Uncle Jim and Aunt Lil. I had one of them uncles and aunts that she was like really never happy and she never looked happy to see you. We might use the word cranky. <clears throat> I don't know if I ever sm- saw her smile. We didn't see her a lot. And um, to be frankly honest, as a kid, that was just fine with me. But uh, we would drive to Chicago to pick up Uncle Jim and Aunt Lil and uh, whenever we, we got to their home, we'd walk in and we'd be met with this odor when you walked in. Dad had to explain to me, Dad, that, that smell, son, is called mothballs. And it seemed every room in their apartment had that smell of mothballs. It, it, it's like their clothes had secondhand mothball smell. And then when we left... Sure enough, we're in the car. Mothballs. Like, it's a horrible smell. And now we got to take it home with us. You know, a Christian home's a place where God takes up residence and there's a certain smell. There's a certain aroma. And there should be an aroma that we carry with us when we leave the home. We're told in Scripture that aroma is Christ. The presence of Christ in our life. You see, he actually lives in your home. We forget that, don't we? You know, little spats, kids? You're arguing with your brother or sister. Guess who's there hearing it all? Mom and dad might not be in the room, but God is. Mom and dad, the kids are out of the room, and you're like, oh, doggone kids, they're driving me crazy. God hears that little complaining. Sometimes we wish he didn't, but he's there. And because he's there, Things change. There's a certain aroma of having Jesus. And when we leave, that smell should be so caught up that others quickly detect it. So think not in terms of incense, but God's sense. We should leave with the aroma of God's sense. And for this to happen, for this God's sense to permeate your home, 
these following initiatives, these crucial activities I found need to be a part of our homes. Now I need to say up front, if my kids were here, they'd be really, really quick to testify. They're not quick to testify to some things, but they would be this. Dad does not have it all together. Dad, dad fails at these, and dad's always working on these. And, uh, and so I don't say this as a perfect parent. Cindy will be quick to chime in too. Um, but I do know these are crucial. And I do know they're important if we're to have God's sense in our home. The first one, you're already applying by being here. Worship together. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 is a very helpful passage from God's Word. The author says this, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. That means to motivate and encourage. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day draw near. The author's talking about God's people coming together, and you can't encourage people if you're not together. But he also mentions that there's some who are in a habit of forsaking this assembly. There are some who are in a habit of neglecting the significance of coming together. Don't be one of them homes that neglects the significance of worshiping together. As a family, go to church together regularly. Make it a priority. And there might be a temptation to send your kids. Because after all, you have things to do today. Maybe send your kids to Sunday school and duck out yourself. Because after all, they need it. You already know it. At least that's what we think. Resist that temptation. Worship. Grow together. I'm also very aware of the fact that when we approach summer... This takes a renewed commitment. Because usually on Sunday mornings, there's a lot of options available, aren't there? We can go to the lake fishing. We can go visit such and such. We can go do this. A lot of great things. And oftentimes we say to our kids, well, we're going to skip church today as if we're rewarding them. Right? We're going to go to the lake today. We're going to go do this today. Isn't that great? You get out of worship. We wouldn't say that, but that's kind of the tone we set let's be different let's be the type of family that says we get to go worship today i mean we get to go in the presence of the living god with god's people how good is that anything else is frosting on the cake anything else is just is just extra this is where it's at we need to communicate in our homes worship is a priority it's one of the most significant things we can do during the week and to do that you got to fight for it you got to take a strong stand. It's got to be a commitment and a priority. For the Christian home, worship services should be a non-negotiable. I've actually heard parents over the years say certain things when I asked them where they're at and where their kids are at at worship. And they said something like this, I, I left my children at home today as a reward because they've been working hard all week. Excuse me? Staying home's a reward? That's not a reward. What, what kind of message do we communicate with our kids when that's what we say to them? I got an idea. Why not go to bed earlier Saturday night so you can get up for the greatest thing you could do during the week, and that's worship. Maybe that should be when they sleep in. If we're serious about having God's sense, worship together is essential as a family. 
Is priority of worship, is priority of worship clear in your home? Number two, I'll just say Bibles for everyone. You see, there's other things we can do to fill our home with a special aroma. That's buying everyone a flashlight. It's difficult to walk through our homes in darkness. It's difficult to walk through this world in darkness. A flashlight helps light the way. Communicate early and often. The Bible will help us walk through difficult times, confusing times. Communicate often. The Bible's the primary way that God will speak to us. It's a very important book. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Don't we want our homes to walk in light? I mean, we, certainly we don't want our homes to stumble and fall in the darkness. Then let's make sure everyone's got a Bible. Make sure everyone has access to God's Word. Teach it. Sit down as a family and look at God's Word. I think it's a great tradition to buy Bibles for your children. Some people use certain events in life and maybe it's the BIC graduation or some different things to get their children a Bible. And I find often as your kids grow older, you almost have to buy another Bible. Maybe that's a little different or can go a little deeper, those type of things. That's great. Keep a pulse on your kids. Make sure everyone, including yourself, has this flashlight and is reading it. Maybe memorize key verses. Children, youth group ministries, we're here to support what you're doing at home. We're not here to replace it. I know Jenny and I know uh, Pastor Dan uh, would certainly affirm that. We're here to support. We're here to help. We're here to resource. We're your biggest fans. We want to help you in the home to do that. A house with well-worn Bibles scattered around throws off a lovely fragrance. Number three, God talk. I think we need to have some God talk in our home. I don't mean religious jargon. I just mean we talk about God because we love Him. We talk about God with our spouse. We talk about God with our kids and not just on Sunday. Deuteronomy 6-7, the context is talking about spiritual things, says this, You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. It pretty much covers your whole day. <laughs> We're to talk about spiritual things in the context of life. Because God's Word and God's truths are appropriate for all of life. Some vocabulary words maybe to get you started. Isn't God amazing? Last couple of weeks, if you've been out a couple of nights, you've seen how clear the skies are. Haven't you seen the stars? Isn't God amazing? Those are the type of conversation that are good to have. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Thank you, God, for the clothes we wear and the roof over our head. Lord willing, kids say, hey, can we do this? Could we do this? It's a good thing to say, Lord willing. In other words, we're under someone's authority. If God wills it, that'd be a great thing. Those are good things to communicate. It's a simple reminder God's in control. Maybe the question, hey, what did God show you today? What did God speak to you about? Some of you got now 60 or something gone at this Blitz conference. Maybe when your kids come home, wouldn't that be a great question? Hey, what did God speak to you about? What's going on? Those are great questions to have, great conversations to ask. It helps you and I become aware of God's presence and His power in, in our lives and in our homes. It's more God talk in your home. That'd be good. Family prayer. No adequate substitute. 
There's something uniting in prayer. I think that's just the way God wired it. When we focus on Him, we focus on the needs of others. Those times you pray for the poor, the needy, missionaries, you see answers together. It eases transition, eases tension. We, uh, it was fun. It's fun to me get to, to pray for different things. And we were praying for little Simon and Yvonne Hagens. And so it's, to me, it's way cool when you see answered prayer running around. How cool is that? That's just great. And you look at the kids, you're going, look at Uganda. Here. We, we got to pray for that. And, and God answered. And those are fun things. And kids get to see that when you pray. And too often, it seems that we're really upset that prayer has been taken out of school. We're upset, we're mad about that. But then we look in our own homes and there's no prayer. Maybe we should start in the home with family prayer. And then let the sense of that, that aroma, carry out. Remember, filling our homes with a scent of the Almighty, this God sense, can often just be a matter of creating simple but intentional habits. May we do that. Be intentional. Don't just leave it to chance. So what does your home smell like? Let's continue to be intentional that our house would be filled with God's sense. But it's not just that our house needs to be a different place. In a, in a God place, I really believe it needs to be an honoring place. Ephesians 5, verse 22 through chapter 6, verse 4. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want you to notice something as I read through these verses. Verse 21 and 22. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. And then verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Verse 33. Nevertheless, let each individual among you who also love his own wife even as himself and let the wife see to it she respect her husband. Chapter 6, verse 1-4. through Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know what I see stamped across all of that? Honor each other. Spouses, honor each other. Value each other. Children, honor your parents. Parents, honor your children. Don't exasperate them. Stamped across these verses is that the home is to be an honoring place. How does it feel when you walk into your home? Do you feel valued? Do you communicate value? Do you, do you communicate that everyone in that home is special? You see, a Christian home is a place where every person's honored. Where the most important people in your life walk through your doors. And they need to know that. They need to know they're important. I had a great model when I grew up. I'd come home from school, and I especially remember in those, those years where 13, 14, 15, which are kind of unique years, and my kids are right there. I'd come home, and mom would always be waiting. And, uh, and, and true to a teenage boy, she had snacks, because that's what you got to do, man. And, uh, and she'd be there, and we'd sit at the table, and she'd just ask how the day went. And every day, There'd be a couple days she was there and I'd be kind of ticked at her. Where, where are you? you know. But I remember growing up having mom there. 
when I came home. And what a difference that made. I felt valued. I felt special. I felt that mom cared and was really glad I was home. And how do we make our homes an honoring place? I got four B's. These are, these are incredibly simplistic, but incredibly important. And kids, you're paying attention too, okay? This, hopefully you've got the gist of this. This is for everybody in the home. Be polite. <laughs> Isn't it funny? At home, where we're most comfortable is sometimes the place we feel it's all right to just kind of abandon any sense of manners. Be polite. When we do that, we communicate something that each person matters. My daughter Angela, um, growing up, just kind of did something really neat. It was kind of always fun to watch. Uh, She'd answer the phone in such a way that she'd been waiting for that person to call all day. There'd be such enthusiasm, (laughs) such blessing oh, hi, and just going on and on, and I couldn't help but the person calling going, whoa, it's good to call this home. Angela's good at that. And, uh, and, and I don't know how she does it all the time, but she does it. And, uh, and she was polite, and people uh, would, would sense that. Um, and, and sometimes if you're like me, some people say, boy, your kids are so polite, and I'm turning around going, my kids? And, uh, and, and that's good. But don't we really want that to also carry over into the home where we value each other? Practically, how are your telephone manners? Your dinner manners? Your communication patterns? To be an honoring place, you need to be polite. Number two, we need to be there. Especially the main events for each other. Families make the effort. Believe me, your kids notice or your spouse will notice when you're not. I coached basketball a lot of years, coached 8th grade basketball this past year, and I could tell the sadness on especially one of my players' faces when he was looking for dad. Dad wasn't there. I don't know what happened. Dad could have been emergency, could have been legit. But I was just reminded, be there. Be there. Siblings, be there for each other. Important times. I know it's extra effort for everybody, but it's worth it. Because your kids will remember, you were there. Be welcoming. This is a great application. Here it is. If there's a, something you can take home, this is it. This is probably one of the best applications you can have for anything. I want you to think of the first five minutes. Get that in your head. Five minutes. When your children wake up, your family wakes up, and when your family comes home. Five minutes. Those first five minutes will set the table for the rest of the day. I want you to think about it. Your children get up. Would you get up? This is the third time I've called you. Get your clothes on. Get ready for school. We're running late. You've already set the tone for the whole morning. It's one of rushed. I'm inconvenienced. Okay, we're feeling really guilty right now, aren't we? Okay. How about the first five minutes they come home? Hey, go clean your room. It's a mess. Don't put that mud on the floor. What are you thinking? First five minutes. What if our children were met with, good morning, did you have a good sleep? I hope so. What would you like for breakfast? What if we left them off at school, and I have a little saying I say for my kids every time I drop them off, and, but, but it's intentional because I want them to leave 
my presence or the car from dad with a good thought. And maybe it'll help set the table for a better day. And so maybe in the morning we greet each other different or our spouse says, hey, have a great day. Love you, honey. First five minutes home is really great, your home. I mean, don't we want our homes to be a place where we feel like we're actually wanted? We're actually welcomed? That people were actually glad we're there and couldn't wait till we got home. That's, that's an honoring place. So remember that. First five minutes sets the tone. And so make sure those first five minutes you're welcoming. Enthusiastically welcome each other and we all need to work on this. And number four, to be an honoring place, be together. And by that I said dinner, dishes, work, projects, trips. You're making togetherness a priority. You're not just accomplishing something of a task. You're doing it together. Be together. Do stuff together. Play family feud. That's the only time it's okay to feud. Okay? Do stuff together. That's a good thing. Now, I don't know what apps God surfaced, and I said this is probably very simplistic, but if you're like me, uh, we all need reminders of the value of things. Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Let's do that in our homes. It appears to me, though, that it's a battle, isn't it? It seems hard at times. There's a resistance movement we need to kind of, it seems like, to make our homes not just all right, but to be godly places and godly lighthouses. But you need to know something. Your homes have enemies. Very real enemies. The culture you live in. The media. They're enemies. You have a demonic realm. Unseen demonic realm bent on destroying your home because the thief comes only to steal, kill, and that's not enough. He wants to destroy, and he wants to destroy your home. It's a battle. And so each day we wake up, hopefully with a nagging feeling in our gut that not only is time running out, but I'm in a battle here for real people, the most precious people on earth. We're being attacked as a home. We need to fight for our homes by intentionally pursuing Christ-honoring homes, by making our place a different place, a God place, an honoring place. We need to be like Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings. In a scene from the Return of the Rings, Aragorn is on his horse, he's rallying the horsemen behind him against the forces of evil gathered against them. And when he speaks, you know, you know you're in the presence of a king. And he canters his restive horse along the front lines of his ragged forces and he calls out to them. Here's what he says. I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. And he pauses and if you remember the scene, his jaw is set with determination. And he says the day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break out of bonds of fellowship and then standing tall, in the saddle, he shouts, but it is not this day. This day we fight. And with those words, he leads the charge against the enemy. And there is a battle that lies before us, each of us, a battle set in motion before the dawn of time. 
It's fought in every generation before us and it'll be fought in generations after us until Jesus tarries. Will you fight for your family? And I know you're tired and maybe wounded, maybe weak, all kinds of emotions, but don't quit. Not this day, because this day we fight. We'll fight for the most significant place on earth, our homes. Let's pray. Lord, even as I speak through this, I'm convicting myself because, wow, I just realized how much I fail at this. I'm probably not alone. As we go through this, we can, it seems the times that come to our minds are the times we didn't do things right. But God, what I'm so grateful for is you are God of new starts. You allow us in the moment, by the power of your Spirit, to change course. Or maybe, God, to start a new discipline. To be more intentional. We desperately need You, God, in this battle for our homes. We confess our carelessness where we've been careless. We confess abdicating our responsibility as we've tried to hand it off to others, whether it be the other spouse or government or schools or whoever. But God, it's this day we take responsibility. Dads and moms and children, all of us in our homes, it's this day we choose to fight to become the home you want us to be. A different place. A God place. Filled with God's sense. In an honoring place. Because we know, God, that's what will impact our culture. We know that's what will please You. And so we call upon You this day. Please help us. And for Your glory and Your honor, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.